Feel great. Um, like I said earlier yesterday, I I haven't had you know a healthy game since spring training, and um, you know it's a tough game as it is, and playing hurt and thinking about stuff and thinking about your injury, and it's uh, it's a tough game, and you make it even harder on yourself. But finally, I feel like myself again, and uh, you know the results will come. Flip. That's Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is back. I think Luke, Luke Voigt is back with a vengeance. I think it's safe to say, right, Flip? Well, uh, he comes at a really good time. Uh, the Yankees need the offensive production that he's certainly capable of giving them, and he certainly gave them uh, the other day as we record this. And uh, he's a terrific. Uh, he's a he's really a, a good power hitter. And uh, the Yankees need missed his bat, so it's nice to have him return. He's one of the players that they need back, and he's one of the players that the Yankees are going to lean on to make contributions because the first base position for them, quite candidly, has not worked out the way they had hoped. So, I mean, it's been offensively, it's been kind of a sinkhole first base. So this gives them a, a, a big bat at first base. So it's what what they need and a player that the, the, uh, the team really likes, and he's a good presence in the clubhouse as well. I wish I could argue you, Flip. It has been tough. Yankees first base production, batting average 185. That's 29th in the league. On base 271. That's 28th in the league. Slugging 319. That's 28th in the league. So these numbers are bad. So to yeah. your point, the yeah. timing is perfect. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the good news is that there's only 30 teams. So if you're going to 28, 29, I mean, so you can't go much lower. The Yankees need the help at first base. Quite really, honestly, they've had a lot of trouble there offensively. So this is this is a well. He's, he was the guy. It was it was his job, and he through injury he wasn't able to you know stay on the field. We always talk about stay on the field, stay on the field. Well, he needs to stay on the field. If he stays on the field, he's a big bat in in that Yankee lineup, as as was evidenced the other day here. And for me, we can't talk about Luke Voigt without talking about potentially the greatest home run celebration in all of sports. You know what I'm talking about, Flip? When he does the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and he bangs oh, yeah. the two two beers oh, yeah. together, absolutely, and then pretends pretends he's pouring them down his throat. For me, I'm I'm biased as a former WWE year, but I think that's one of the greatest things. It, it's very entertaining. And listen, one of the things that baseball sometimes lacks is is it's it lacks entertainment real entertainment value beyond the, the, the play on the field, which you know, can be very entertaining, but I'm talking about the, once the home runs in a place get hit, you know, you, you want, you want celebration. You, you don't want to show the other team up, but you want to, you want to be able to be in your dugout and to celebrate with your teammates and, and enjoy the moment, you know, and, and some of these, it's like, you know, touchdowns, right? The football, the NFL, so touchdown, touchdown dances, touchdown. I mean, I know the NFL got tough on it. They cracked down on it. I, I don't think you should crack down on that. As long as it's in the confines where it's not in the other team's face, I think you should be allowed to celebrate and have a good time. And, and creative celebrations when the Yankees had, you know, the toe night show, you know, that was always, that was terrific. With Ronald Torres, I mean, little Ronald Torres was awesome, and the and the players rallied around him. It was fun. I mean, you need you need that the, the ability to sort of uh, uh, exude that fun. It shows fun, and the Yankee fans, which is predominantly our audience are Yankee fans, they, they want to enjoy the moment. So let them enjoy it. They underscore the moment with a, with a fun celebration. I have no problem with that. And he's giving Yankees fans plenty to celebrate. And we're recording here on Thursday afternoon. He hit yet another home run. Um, so he's hot. Let's set the table real quick before we move on, Flip. I'm Kevin Sullivan from the digital media department here at the Yes Network, alongside, as always, Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Mr. John J. Filippelli. Flip, how are you? 
I am I am great. I've uh, I was uh, I went to the game yes last night. I had thoroughly, thoroughly had a good time. It was a great Yankee comeback win. They played, they played well. You know, uh, they had a couple of hiccups, but uh, you know they they were able to overcome their hiccups. Uh, you know, with some power. You know, and uh, uh, they did what they needed to do. I mean, you this team is not down and out now. You get a sense now the way it's it's coming back. This team is coming together now. You get a sense that they're not out of a game. Before, well, their offense was so limited um, and, and, and so so challenged to score runs, um, you, 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 got a, you got to a point where you just have a lot of faith that they were going to overcome any deficit. Now you have a sense in your, that they can overcome any deficit. I mean, that's at least my sense of it. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. But I, I've got great confidence now in their offense that they're going to score more runs. And you know, also given the situation in, in the game, which I know we'll get to a little while about, uh, you know, the uh, – the, uh, uh, right. You're alluding to the uh, the yes. spider tack, the yes, sticky I, stuff, which we will right. talk about. That's right. There you uh, go. <laughs> we'll also was, talk you know, about I was, Gary. I was searching. I was searching if I should just come out and say it, but why shouldn't I come out and say it? I mean, everybody sort of knows listening to this. They know what what's gone on, and uh, they know it's it's around. It's all it's all the teams, and it's many of the players, many of the pitchers, and baseball is going to enforce it now. And we'll get into that in a minute. And uh, so far, so good with the enforcing of it, though. But with, by enforcing it, though, the offenses are going to go up. Uh, runs are going to be most more runs will be scored and that seems to be the case so far so it's actually had a very positive effect on the game and longtime listeners will know i've been beating my chest over that or scream, screaming with a megaphone that we need more offense so i love it like you said we'll talk more about that we'll talk about gary sanchez uh we'll talk about the olympics believe it or not we'll talk about a role chapman we have a lot to talk about today i want to though kick it off with uh dj lemayhew so i gave you those first base numbers um, he played 40 games at, four, at first base. So, you know, his slow start is well documented, but he is coming back around. Let me give you some numbers. His last 11 games, he's batting 319, three home runs, 10 RBIs, 574 slugging. Is the turnaround due to cracking down on the sticky stuff? Um, I think it's a combination of players who were due to start hitting because, I mean, I have a hard time believing that a player who's won a batting title almost won two. Um, I have a hard time believing that a player of his magnitude, offensive prowess and back of the baseball card numbers was going to continue the struggle the way he was struggling. I, you could be the year of the, 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 the it could be the year of whatever it's supposed to be <laughs> year of the pitcher, year of the Ram year of whatever. It doesn't matter what year it is. All I know is players who are really good, eventually show up eventually their talents will really emerge and and against any any backdrop and the fact that his talents you know he, he was sort of you know cloaked in what in in in, in mediocrity his numbers were very mediocre let's face it or, or, or worse and that's not a player who's mediocre or worse this is a really good baseball player he is a really solid baseball player look at what he did his first two years with the yankees he's going to continue to put up numbers in in uh, along those lines I, I really believe that he's just too good a hitter Guy who hits line to line like he does, line to line meaning you know uses the whole field. Anybody who could play like could hit like that. I mean, he makes contact. You got to make contact. He doesn't strike out much. Look at his at bats. He, sometimes he 10, 12 pitches the way he battles in an at bat. It just tells you how good a hitter he is. So you know the, the fact that he was underperforming for a variety of reasons. Well, welcome to the club. That a lot, most of the Yankee players offensively were underperforming. You know, was it a, was it the pitching? Pitching has something to do with it for sure. But it wasn't everything. I think it's a combination of the, them cracking down on, on spider tech and also the uh, the players who were supposed to hit starting to hit. I'm bullish on him. 
Uh, I'm so bullish that I made a trade for him this morning in my fantasy league. And then well, that's a couple silly. hours, <laughs> that seals it. Oh, yeah. You know how I am with predictions. Well, that's what I was saying. He's doomed now. <laughs> we'll get hit the rest I, of the year. I got picked on in our uh, staff meeting, 11 a.m. staff meeting, about my predictions. I don't know if you were on that. Yeah, yeah, you were there. It's it's strange because usually I'm the one leading the like the picking of you, picking you apart <laughs> part of it. So I mean, okay, well, listen, you people, a lot of people that we have a lot of smart people on that, on that thing. On that, we do. Uh, Eleven o'clock. We do. We really we do. We I mean, we could use a few more, but the reality is we have some pretty <laughs> smart people on a call. And enough teasing. I got to tell you, so we have a great we have a great boss. His name is John Lindner. He's our boss, and he is a really really smart guy. Uh, his his pedigree in this business is is ridiculous on how successful he's been and what a good guy he is and uh you know he's one he's the one actually the podcast the reason this even exists is because of him coming to me one day and say well, what would you do a podcast i said why he said because i think it'd be funny and entertaining and you know we, you should try something and you know why not let's see what we could do you might as well try to do something with it and i said I'm not so sure. And he, and he actually talked me into it. So I have, we have him to blame for this thing, but, but anyway, I'm just having said that's that, what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll get to you in a minute. Uh, the, uh, but the, uh, but he's no, he's just a really good guy. And we have a really good staff of people. Howard Levinson does our sales. He's does a terrific jo- job. We have Matt Duarte in charge of new business. You know, we've got the uh, Jared Boschnack in charge of like the entire thing when Littner and I are not there. He's just, he just, we can't, Jared runs a buck. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's great. <laughs> Jared Boschnack is terrific. He's and he's a he's a terrific uh, production person. He knows he knows production like uh, very few people I've ever met in this business, and uh, he's a real asset. So you know, we we have Jared. We've had, we've got uh, we have uh, good old Teddy Run, uh, the CFO. That's such a good Teddy job. Budgets. That's Teddy what we budgets. call him, Teddy Budgets. Teddy, well, Teddy has a last name, right? So we can call him by his last name. Marino. Okay, yeah. Ted Marino, who really does a nice job too. We have really very, a lot of very, very talented people on that on that call, and so uh, um, it, it's 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 actually interesting. I mean, I, I, you, those you can't sit in on that stuff, unfortunately, because you learn a lot. I mean, I, I learn a lot every time I go in there. Mike Webb, uh, you know, runs our runs our technical aspect of what we do, and he does really such a good job. And you know, and uh, and Eric Handler handles the media and does a good job. Woody Fryman works on programs. Now you're just naming stuff. everybody that we work with. Well, not everybody. I mean, I'm only going to name seven or eight because that's the only one we have in that meeting. You know, I mean, you want me to name? All right, you know what? All right, Kevin. See, now Kevin put me. Kevin now has put me off the top of the topic. I'm just trying to do something nice. Mention the rest of the staff who work so hard. They don't get any credit as enough publicly. They don't. They should get more. They don't get very. They get very little publicly. And you know, including John. John doesn't get a lot of attention, and he should. John does a really good job. We're very lucky to have the people we have. All right, I'm done with that call. Let's move on from the 11 o'clock thing. Enough. We are going to move on. Uh, two names, though, that you mentioned. Yeah. Jared Boschnack. We should probably try and get him on this podcast because we, we mention him every now and then. Maybe right, for well, 10 minutes, we'll get him on. Secondly, Matt Duarte, our senior director of Biz Dev and Strategy. Congratulations to him. Got yes. engaged over the weekend. Yes. I think we documented had mentioned on Yes, that. by the way. We documented it on Yes. It was on the Yes Network. We yes, saw it. it. Only on Yes. So people are here to talk about Gary Sanchez. That's what they really want us to do. Yes. Not talk I, about, right? I know, but you know, don't have to be mean about it. I mean, these are nice people. We're just giving them a little credit. I mean, come on, don't be so mean. I mean, don't you in a general yeah. store? I'm known for being mean, but you know what? See, I'm a Hallmark greeting card. <laughs> oh God, I am. Now I know you're lying. No, I am. I'm a Hallmark. I'm just generous to everyone. I'm pleasant. I'm 
professional. I'm, I'm always professional. The things I don't know about, but I'm definitely professional. But no, I, you know, I, I want to give credit where it's due, and I want to make sure people are in a good mood. And they want to feel good about coming to work, and they get recognized. That's a nice thing, isn't it? It is a nice thing. Well, okay, it's, well, then, then you shouldn't put it down. It's funny how many Gary Sanchez fans are popping up lately. Am I right? Yes, it, that is sort of funny. But look, we've talked about this. We've talked about this had to be his year. This is his year. He either does it or he doesn't. He either reestablishes what he was when he first came up, which was which was Hall of Fame sort of trending material, or he he shows he's really regresses to a a, a mean of 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 um, not being able to perform very well at all, and which he's which struggled the last year and a half. He really has. So, which Gary Sanchez are we going to get? Are we going to get one who's potential Hall of Famer? We got another one that just struggles mightily. Which one is it? The Yankees, they have the Yankees have to figure out who he is, what he is. He has to figure out who he is, what he is. And I must tell you, but he's made some changes to his stance and it's made a big difference. And uh, he is really playing like, like that. Uh, listen, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. Not in never in that round. Not, there's no, you don't have enough data. But, but having said that, he's, he's, he's right now, he's turned everything completely around. And he's one of the reasons the Yankees are winning this. We talked about these 25 games, this stretch of 25 games. Yankees had to go 15 and 10. And that way they'd be right back in the middle of this thing with a real chance trending very much in their favor toward October. They, that's puts them on the road to October, a solid road, 15 and 10, in these next 25, 25 games. When we first talked about this, which was our last podcast, and then they're playing really well since. So they're, 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 they're playing. These are tough teams that they're playing for the most part. And Kansas City, not all that tough, but the other teams are tough and, and the Yankees are doing okay. So give them some credit. They're, they're, they've turned this around right now. I know, I know they've got a long way to go, but they, they, this ship, you could see the ship writing itself. You said he changed Gary Sanchez changed his stance that that leg kick is not as pronounced anymore. Yes. I think that's helping him particularly with the fastballs. Let me give you some numbers here. Last 22 games against the fastball. He's batting 318, 682 slugging. The 82 games before that, he was batting 179 against the fastball. Not just that's against fastballs. If you took if you took his average against everything, his average was ridiculously bad. Okay, he. I mean, it was embarrassing what his batting average was. Let's be. Let's call it what it was. It was. He was really struggling to make contact, striking out. Just couldn't make contact. You got to make contact, folks. I mean, this is you know, the game is to make contact because we hit a ball. Even if you make out, the chances are you know, at least you hit it to somebody. They, they can make an error. They, they forced force them to make a play. When you strike out, you're not forcing anybody to make a play other than the catcher to catch the ball. Okay, so you, the, the whole idea is to put a ball in play. And, you know, Gary Sanchez wasn't doing that. Gary Sanchez was not hitting running scoring because Gary Sanchez was not hitting at all. And now Gary Sanchez is, is hitting like a, like, a, like a player of the week, which I think he probably is or was or is going to be because he's had such an outstanding week. And he's gone beyond the week. He's been actually hitting in his last, was it two weeks now he's been hitting pretty well? So uh, was it two weeks now? Yeah, it's three weeks now. His last 22 games, he's been okay, 333. 20, so, that's, oh, so that gives you around three weeks. I mean, that's, that's, that's a turnaround. That's not one game. That's not five games. It's not 10 games. That's over 20 games. That's a turnaround. So the Yankee and the Yankees needed it. It's one of the reasons the Yankees are winning now. He's had the ups and downs. Yeah, we talked about his downs. Stance? We'll talk about the stance a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about his stance. I, I just recognize the the leg kick isn't as pronounced as it used to be. Someone uh, very, uh, high up in the Yankee the chain of command uh, told me that uh, if you watch his swing from the side now, it's it's a model for a lot for a launch angle. 
what they call the launch angle. You hear it every game. What is a launch angle? It's the it's the it's the point at which contact is made in which you're going to get elevation on a ball, and yet you'll get maximum power behind the elevation. So you'll get a ball that's going to be hit not a line drive, but be elevated in the air, and also have power behind it. That's that's the launch angle. That's what I think. That's the best way I could describe it. And um, they said that it's it, and everybody looks for launch angle. Everybody works on hitters to get the hitters to have better launch angles. They said his is pitch perfect. He's got a perfect launch angle swing now by doing what he did, modifying his leg kick. It, it made him his launch angle be, you know, what is not just acceptable. It is it is the best, the, the best ones in the league. And the Yankees are thrilled with that. And that's what's turned him around. The launch angle has gotten significantly better. And also the fact and that's gotten better. Why? Because he's, he's modified the leg kick doesn't have that pronounced leg kick, that front foot going all the way up and down. It still goes up, but, you know, guys use all kinds of things for to, to sort of as a timing mechanism. Some guys use, use you know, foot raising, other people use toe tapping. See, Frazier uses that toe tap all the whole time, right? So people have different parts of their stance or, um, again, it goes back to timing. So, um, but it has really, really helped Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, and now what's as important as helping him, Gary Sanchez now has got his confidence back at the plate. You know, he's also got his confidence back as a catcher, you know, which, you know, he still has to struggle sometimes defensively, but, but he's even getting better there. So everything about him is getting better. You know, it just took some patience and, you know, it's like, you can't take a talent. I don't care who the talent is, any talent, you know, Gleyber Torres is, is struggling now offensively too. He's struggling. I mean, you're going to tell me Gary that Gleyber Torres is not a strong offensive talent. I'm going to tell you, you're crazy. He's a really strong offensive talent, not hitting home runs, you know, he's not but he's making contact. He's hitting the ball hard now. And it's only a matter of time before he starts to offensively become a, a real force again. Ironically, as we record this on Thursday afternoon, Gary Sanchez is up right now. Is he? I know it means nothing to people who are listening on demand, but he's up right now, bottom of the seventh, a one-two count. We'll keep you updated, even though you already know. Are you the future already do, knows. Are you allowed to do play-by-play? <laughs> well, it's not really play-by-play because – by the time anyone listens to it, but in 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 the in the real world, in the real timing world, in real life, you're trying to do play by play. You know, yeah, I'm probably not allowed to. No, well, but if you we were, own the rights, well, we do, we don't. I mean, we could have rent the rights. <laughs> <laughs> it's but okay, okay, I'll go uh, with that. Let's go with that for the sake of fun. Let's have some fun. And if anybody says, well, you're doing play-by-play, I'll say, have you ever listened to Kevin Sullivan try to do play-by-play? Seriously? <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't work. He couldn't. He couldn't I think, I think Michael Kay's job is safe. Uh, Sanchez just struck out. That's my play-by-play. So we did all that so he could strike out. <laughs> but he hit a three-run home run earlier. But you didn't say that. I mean, as, as we record this, you didn't say he had a three-run home run earlier. You just said uh, you're talking about building it up. Like, I guess who's up with the plate? And he had the Oh, he strikes out. Oh, man. Oh, what a letdown that was. Like I said, Michael K's job is safe. Beyond safe. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really nothing to worry about. Uh, okay. okay. We talked about uh, sticky stuff. Yes. And um, since oh. we last spoke, MLB has begun enforcing the ban on spider tack or sticky stuff or whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. So I want to talk about two things as it relates to that. One, um, how do you think the enforcement is going for those who don't know who have, or who haven't seen it yet in between innings, umpires are checking pitchers, gloves, their belts, their hats and whatnot flip. How do you think it's going so far? Uh, 
mean, so far, again, there's a limited sample, but so far, I think it's going well. I mean, they, they're checking there. It's not taking any more time, not taking any more time away from the game because as these pitchers are coming out for the, you know, the changeover, going to their dugout, umpire stops them, checks the cap, you know, checks the belt, looks the hands, whatever, let's see if there's anything on the fingers. And then, then it takes like 30 seconds to do that. And then they just go on their way to dugout and that's that. And they would have done their due diligence, and, and and it seems like, but it's enough. It's enough for the pitchers to know that hey, if we get caught with this stuff, and they they are seriously checking for it, and they catch me, that there's a fine and uh, in it, and you know they don't want to, you know, there's a fine suspension, suspension, right? It's a ten day suspension. Is that what it ten is? days? Okay, you get days. a suspension, you get fined. I mean, that's and, and some of these guys make serious money. If you don't make serious money, it all matters. So, you know, nobody wants that to happen and be to lose, be away from your team. If you're, look, if you're an elite starter, you, you know, you're going to miss some time. 10 days is a lot of time. You miss two starts. Yeah, I agree with you, Flip. Um, it doesn't slow down the pace of play. And for me, that's what was most important. So we're good there. But I don't know if you when saw I, this. Did you, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I need to, I want to make a point. Um, so I'll interrupt you because I want to make a point. How rude is that? Do it. But, but you're I'm the sorry. boss. Uh, I'm willing to bet you're going where I was going to go, but go ahead. I don't know. I don't know that we were ever going to go to the same place together at the same time, but, <laughs> but, but let's put that aside for a minute. Um, I talked to Joe Girardi this morning. I called Joe, oh. you know, he's the manager of the Yankees. So most, I'm sure most of you may listen to this knows that. Um, and for 10 years and also was a broadcaster for yes, for a couple of years before that twice. And uh, a really good guy. And I, I like Joe and Joe and I've been friends for many years going back to his playing days. And so he was thrown out of a game yesterday because he got into a Max Scherzer. Like uh, he, uh, Joe was questioning like that the ump did not uh, should need, ump needed to check him again for something and the ump didn't, and so Shearza when, when the third out got made, started to walk up the mountain and he just stared in the Philly dugout at Girardi. I mean, he stared at him all the way in, and then Joe pops out of the step and says, "You got a problem with me? Come on, let's go. You got a problem with me? Come on." That's so, so Joe. It is so Joe. It's like I love Joe. So it was like good for Joe though. I mean, good for him. I I. Uh, you know, he, he he's, he's not gonna he doesn't suffer fools, and he he wants this his right to have it checked again. If he wants to check, then ask for it. That's what a manager's supposed to do. Joe knows the game, and Joe knows Joe's a catcher. Joe knows every trick there is in a book. And if Joe sees something, you can bet it's legitimate that he's probably saw it for sure. So it's a legitimate ask, and it's his right to do so. So he's asking for them to check another time. They, I guess they didn't want to do it for whatever reason. So then he got hot and Shears was egging him on. Shears is the dugout showing him his hat, his, you know, and his, you know, his hat, and his glove and his whatever. And, and, uh, and then they just got more intense with each other. And then Joe came out of the dugout and then he was thrown out of the game, you know? So I mean, did it start a small riot? It started a small riot, but what it did was, you know, listen, you get your own troops fired up when you do that. It shows you have their back and you're willing to go out there. And even if he's getting yourself thrown out, you get yourself thrown out for the greater good, maybe which is to inspire the team and get them going. So who knows? All I'm telling you is that does it have an effect? It absolutely has had an effect on the game so far. And I think it's been a positive one because, you know, again, the offensive production is, is way up since this started, since this happened. Joe would win that fight, by the way. Oh, don't even go there. Joe, would, <laughs> Joe could take on the entire team. Joe could take on the entire national team and probably win. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Joe was, Joe right. was a very strong guy. He's a good guy, strong guy. And, uh, and Joe, when Joe is convinced he's right, which is a lot of times, um, he, he, will, he will suffer no fools and draw no quarter. He will just go after what he needs to go after. I give him credit for fighting for his team. That's what he does. He fights for his team, you know. 
So you mentioned Scherzer. Um, I want to get into that. So yeah. like I said, I, I like how they're handling it. Major League Baseball. I do not like how the pitchers or some pitchers are handling it. Scherzer's one of them. Sergio Romo of the A's is another one. Romo acted like a child. If you did not see this, he's throwing his hat. He's throwing his glove. He's taking his pants off. Remember, the reason why we're in this situation is because of the pitchers. And now the pitchers are acting like child, children. Yeah, I'd say that that's an accurate description. Um, You know, listen, the rules are the rules. You know, I'm sorry. We have rules. And they apply the batters. They apply the the pitchers. They apply different positions, different rules. I mean, I, I, I get it. And the rules are there for a reason. And you just can't selectively decide what you want to, you know, uh, abide by and which rules you want to ignore. The, the umpires are there to ensure that that does not happen, you, that the rules are applied equally to, to everybody. And, you know, again, it's, it's, that's a perfect world. And we don't live in a perfect world, and baseball is not a perfect world. Perfect world has problems, and they don't always address their problems in the manner in which they should address them. But this is one that they're they're on top of now, and they're going to and they'll do the best that they can, which I think will be pretty good with this. I think they've already done a good job because it's put in the it's put in the pitchers' minds, you know, most of them that they can't who used it they can't be using it, and you'll see it. You know, guys who had 14 strikeouts, 13 strikeouts, 10, 12 strikeouts a game, two, three, five, but they're still I mean they're still pitching really well. They're pitching really effectively, which means they're really good pitchers. Just not having the same strikeouts, same swing and miss stuff. They still got really good stuff. They just don't have maybe swing and miss stuff. So, which is enough for, you know, more runs to be scored, more contact to happen, more runs to be scored. And um, the spirit of the rule is, is, is correct. So I, I'm happy where the rule is. I'm happy for what it's accomplished. And, uh, you know, I, I think in the long run, it's in the short run and long run, it's going to be good for the game to have more offense in the game because the pendulum went too far the other way. We went from way too many runs to truthfully in terms of watching it. You don't want to watch a softball game. It's hard to watch a softball game every day. You don't want to see 15, 14. The first time you see it, it's fun. But the 18th time, 20th time you see it, it's like enough already. This game is 19 hours, but we can't get anybody out and everybody's in a home run. It's it's not what's that's not how you should play this game. So the fact that they're putting in these, they're actually putting in the rules in and they're going to, well, you know, going to abide by them and they're going to make them make it tough on the pitchers to get away with this foreign substances. Good for them. That's what it should be. I agree that if a rule is in place, it needs to be enforced. I do, however, understand the pitcher, the pitcher's frustrations, especially when this starts out of nowhere to be enforced in the middle of the season, which brings me to my next point. How much stock do you put in? Tyler Glasnow saying the enforcement of this is what caused his injury. So his quote was, I have to change everything I've been doing the entire season. I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm waiting. I'm so sorry. Wait, Tyler Glasnow's upset because he, he broke the rules and he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And then baseball said, we can't do that anymore. And he got hurt. And therefore, because he was breaking the rules and now they're going to enforce the rules. This is somehow baseball's fault for his injury. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you for explaining that to me. I feel so much better now. I feel so much better, Kevin. I'll be able to sleep at night now. I really will be. I don't want to upset Tyler. He's a really good pitcher. He's not good. He's really good. Okay. 
And maybe a really good man, I don't know, maybe he had some help, all right? I, I don't know, I'm not saying, I've been, I mean, am I implying? I'm not saying anything. Maybe he had some help, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But all I know is he's now telling us he has to pitch differently. What does that mean? Does that mean he now can't use the stuff that he was using? Because that's what it says to me, unless I'm misreading this. And Tyler, if you're listening to this, or somebody you know is listening to this, you want to come on and talk about this. I'll be most happy to have this discussion with you. I really would be because I think you're a really good pitcher and a good talent. But if in fact, this is what you said, and apparently it's been quoted everywhere. So I assume it's what you said. Um, all of a sudden you're upset because you got hurt because you can't use this stuff anymore. You're forced to pitch differently now. Is that what, is that really what's going on here? Cause if that's what's going on, I'm sorry. I really don't have a lot of empathy for you. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. I think what, the, the problem in Glasnow's eyes are is how abrupt the change was. Like MLB just mid-season decides, okay, we're doing this. And they didn't go into a lab and they didn't figure out what this Get is going to, what the effects are going to be. Because there's going to be effects. Stop, stop. stop. What, 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 what about Burley Grimes and the spitball? I mean, are we going to go back to some, those of you who don't know Burley Grimes, don't start with me about Cy Young either. I knew Cy Young. I knew Burley <laughs> Grimes too. I knew him too. All right, let's get out of that for a minute. Um, I'm sorry. This, this Certain things are, are not legal and they shouldn't be done. And if baseball chooses not to enforce those things, well, they do choose not to enforce them and you're lucky. But when they do choose to enforce rules and say this, I'm sorry, we can't have this because it's, it's, it's illegal and it's just, causing too much havoc in the game. Okay, that's baseball's decision. Good for them for doing it. What are you supposed to say? You know, a year from now, we don't, you know, those of you who are, who are doing this and you're not supposed to be, we'll allow it for the next three months. And then all of a sudden, starting spring training, we're not going to allow it anymore. So those of you who want to load up on, a, uh, you know, you load up on spider tack and have those grip words, you're like Spider-Man trying to climb a wall. You want to you do that? That's fine. Go do that. Go there for another three months because, because you know, we, we, we've discovered this is not right, but we're going to let you get away with it for three more months. What kind of insanity is that? Yeah, I get that. Believe me, I, mean, I get that. Honestly, I think the I point mean, I, is you can't be driving 100 miles per hour and then stop at zero because you're going to get hurt. Here's what I read. I think it was The Athletic. I want to credit them. Without the sticky stuff, pitchers have to put approximately 15% more grip on the ball. That's a big number, 15%. Okay. And where do you think that, that pressure goes? It goes right down into your elbow. Pop into your wallet, and then it, yeah, into your wallet. Yes, what's in your wallet? <laughs> this yeah. isn't an ad. This I'm is just saying, what's in your I, wallet? I mean, I, okay. I don't, I mean, I get I don't it. carry a wallet. Well, I'm sorry, I, <laughs> I took the winner. I mean, I, 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 I get it. All right, I, I get it. I absolutely get it, and I, I get what he's saying, but I don't agree with it. You know, you ask me my opinion. My opinion is, are you kidding? It's like, you, he, he, I got hurt because they, they decided to have a rule. That's Sherlock. You know the theme from Sherlock? Now, what is that, your be? phone playing? Is yeah, that your phone like playing? My, my ringtones. Jared's calling again. It could be Jared Boschnack. It could be John Littner. All right. So having said that, um, how do you are, solve for the sticky? How, how do you solve for this problem? How do you solve it? You because this isn't the answer. Is checking it? isn't the answer. Well, what, what what can be the answer? If the umpires are going to check and they're going to do and they're going to do a vigilant check, 
and they're going to do it every half inning when pitchers leaving the mound. They're going to check them. What what more could you do? I mean, tell me what more do you do? Right. So I think the the argument now is pitchers are throwing 95, 100 miles per hour, and they don't know where it's going. So so you have to give the pitcher something. And I don't think rosin's enough. Well, what do you give them then? Well, I ask you, is it the international ball? Is it the ball they use in Japan, Maybe. which is a little more? Maybe. I, well, the baseballs come out. I mean, the baseballs are, are in a box. Uh, Rawlings makes the baseballs. And they are very, extremely slick. You know, they're, they're glossy. They're slick. So what baseball, what the umpires do is before every game, they take a, a very large allotment of balls and they go through them and they rub them with what they call Mississippi mud. It's a mud that they get from a river in Mississippi, apparently. So Mississippi mud, hence the name. And they, and they rub the balls up to eliminate as much of the slickness as they possibly can. And it works to a degree. I don't know that it works 100%, but it works to some extent. And that's kind of the system that they've used for, uh, for I don't know how many years now. It's, it's a lot of years. And, um, you know, that's what they've done. And now, uh, and on top of that, the players have apparently have used this sticky, this, this sticky this spider tack to, you know, to give them even a better grip on the ball than, than the Mississippi mud allows. So you have the Mississippi mud, you got the spider grip, the spider tack, and that's what they're using to get this incredible grip that they get on the ball. Now, having grip on the ball is, is very beneficial and that you can control the ball better. Well, that means you're not going to probably hit as many players because, you know, you've got a better grip on the ball. But it also means that, you know, you, uh, it also gives you a dominance because the spin rate increases. Spin rate increases, therefore, the ball breaks more precipitously than it did before. So you've got a higher – the ball is breaking at a much better, a better break, better bend, if you will. And so there's, there's, there's great benefit to the pitcher to, to do this. And it can control the ball better. Now, without that, you know, guys are throwing more more balls than they did before. There's more walks. They're not putting, don't have the command, not putting a ball where they want to put it as precisely. Therefore, out of the strike zone or maybe a ball that was intended to be out of strike zone, now in the strike zone, swings, batters, have, you know, are hitting the ball. Certainly more runs are being scored. So offensively, it's really given the game a jolt in a positive direction because there were way too many strikeouts and not enough runs being scored. So the pendulum had swung from a lot of offense to almost no offense when the reality is it should be somewhere in the middle. So the balance of the game was brought back by this. So therefore I can't argue with the balance of it being brought back. And, you know, and again, if it's, if what they're doing is illegal and it was deemed illegal, then they have to stop it. It's the same thing with steroids, the same with other things that give people an unfair advantage. If in fact that this is the case and this is what was happening, and apparently baseball has said that is what was happening. Okay, then they've got to do something to 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 make sure the game the game stays in some kind of balance. It's not a perfect rule. It's not a perfect society. It's not a perfect game. You know, only David Cohn had the less perfect game. No, he didn't actually. I don't know who did have less perfect game. Maybe no, no. Anyway, well, it doesn't matter. What Dan Bassone, our producer, can look that up. Um, it doesn't well, matter. I say I believe it's the Lena Back Lena Blackburn Rubbing Mud Company. It's a uh, it's a woman. That's her company. I don't know. Here well, you keep chatting. Lena. No, Lena. Lena. Like Lena. Lena. The woman's name, lady's name, Lena. Lena Blackburn Baseball Rubbing Mud. Um, what? That's that's the name of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Lena Blackburn. Wait, I got a gift certificate. Be... I just got a gift certificate Father's Day from Johnny Ed and Pierce to that company. I, that's, they, they, it's they Thursday. They bought, they bought the <laughs> They're late. Lena Blackburn played eight years in the major leagues during a career that spanned from 1910 to 1929. 
It's um, a guy. So it was, it's a male. The guy, yeah. He has a... You're a big help today. Rubbing Mud Company. <laughs> okay. Out of Delaware. Nice. Anyway, you were chatting, so I looked it up. Wait, hold on a second. This is out of Delaware? Why is it Mississippi Mud? I could have sworn it was Delaware Mud. No, it's Mississippi Mud. You never heard of Mississippi Mud? No, I know Mississippi Mud, but I well, think it comes it come from Delaware. Delaware Mud. It's on the Delaware, Delaware River. And Thank you, Dan. And it originates on the New Jersey side. What about Mississippi? Where's the Mississippi mud come from? Oh, I, I don't I th- know. I think uh, you're, I think you're somewhere else. No, 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 no. I'm not somewhere else. I mean, I, I would tell if I make a mistake, I'll tell you I made a mistake. I know they rub these balls with Mississippi mud. Now, Mississippi is mud a, is a is a pie. It's a type of dessert. Don't start with me. Don't start. With me. <laughs> Mississippi mud is what they rub the baseballs with. All right. I know that's what they rub the baseballs with because I've asked. And I used to be in the okay. go visit umpires. I'd say, "What are you doing?" They say, "I'm rubbing a buddy." They've had this container of mud, and they would take the ball and they would rub the, the you know rub the ball and rub the mud in their hands and rub it around the ball. Right? I used to see. I used to witness the process. And I would often ask, "I said, is that Mississippi mud?" And they say, "Yes." So if you tell me it's Mississippi mud from, comes from uh, a, a, a woman, it's not a woman named Lena. It's a guy named Lena. It's a guy named Lena. Blackburn had named- an idea. He had grown up near the Delaware River and knew a mud hole that he might that he thought would be perfect for rubbing down baseballs. He brought some to the athletics clubhouse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it's from the Delaware River. So when you say athletics clubhouse, this is really old because that refers to the Philadelphia Athletics. Who are the athletics? Word, around, word, word got around fast, and the rest of the American League started using the Delaware mud. I have not heard this. I mean, I'm not doubting what you're saying. I am doubting what you're saying, but you're reading it, so you must be <laughs> you, you must be looking it up in a proper place. All right, all right, got it. This is not Kevin Sullivanpedia. This is like <laughs> this is something that you're not making this up. I agree. I, I'm not. I don't agree. I don't, I've never heard that. Not to say if I don't never heard of something, it can't be right. Although it's usually not. But that's all right. I I I do not. I never heard that. I have I don't think it matters. That. It does matter. The, the credibility of of mud now is in question. <laughs> now we've gone to, we've destroyed everything else. That was destroy the quality of the mud. So mud isn't just mud. Well, I mean, do you think it is? Don't you think there's a, there's a, there's a, the texture or there's a straight, certain muds are better than other muds. If I made mud in my backyard and you made mud in your backyard, are they going to be different? Yes. Yours will be nicer. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 don't go there. That's not nice. Um, you know how we find out? We ask our listeners to do some homework and email us. Tell us who's right. The email is curtaincall at yesnetwork.com. Okay, that's what we'll do. Curtaincall at yesnetwork.com. Rate, review, and subscribe, by the way. Those oh, please. Because we always forget to throw that in. And if they want please. to reach us, Kevin, where do, they, where do they send those questions if they want to get us? Curtaincall at yesnetwork.com. That's our email. Or you could uh, tweet at us at curtain call. Yes, that's our Twitter handle. Right, and and if your name is Mud, <laughs> stay out of it. <laughs> if you're of the Blackburn family, give us a call. Let us know what's going on. Speaking of emails, can we yes. can we go? Yes, to some? go ahead. Go ahead. Before we do, we got to call AJ. Aren't we supposed to have a jingle for the this segment? Yeah. How's he doing so far with that? I don't know. I'll have to call AJ. Find out what's going on. He told me First it's in email. the process, by the way. Sorry to cut you guys off, but he said it's in the process and it's it's coming along well. 
He oh, okay. Just Thank you, Dan. Like that? He just responded. Or you, you had that response and you were just waiting for the proper time to. Exactly. I had the response. The yep. And I was waiting for the right time. You, you couldn't have done it while we were engaged in the, in the Mississippi Delaware mud controversy. No, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, butt in there. No, stop shooting sling mud. All right. First, first email comes from Joe in Stratford, Connecticut. Hi, guys. Great show. I really enjoyed your chat with Bucky Dent. Well, thank you, Joe. As a longtime fan, it was great to take that walk down memory lane. Anyway, I'm writing to get your opinion on which record you think is the greatest in all of sports. Now, before you answer that, I'm going to clarify for Joe. He didn't say this, but what I think he means is which is the most prestigious record in all of sports, not which is the hardest to break. Uh, stay away to heaven. I guess, I guess that is a record. <laughs> it's, 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 that record will never be broken. That's the greatest record of all. Time. No, that's no, that's a good one. What's, what do you think is? Um, well, I would have said 61 and 61. 61 home runs in 1961. Unfortunately, that's not a record. record. I didn't ask you for the record. I said, what record, what song would you have taken? Oh, as the greatest song of all time? Well, I, that's where I went. I'm asking you what song you would do before we answered the question. It was like a little teaser. Well, I don't know what the greatest is. I can tell you my favorite is um, On the Dark Side by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. <laughs> Dark side's coming out, nothing is real. <laughs> okay, good. I like that. that. That was my wedding song. On the Dark Side by John Cafferty? Yes. <laughs> That's what your wife was thinking. She's going on the dark side. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Oh, um, man. I don't know. I don't know. Who's the greatest record? Dress me the greatest record in sports. Um, uh, I think Ripken showing up to work every day for seven plus years, the equivalent of going to work every single day for seven plus years, uh, without a day off through whatever, through whatever maladies he suffered. He had a lot of injuries, especially at the end. Um, I think that was pretty incredible. I think no one that record will never be broken for sure. Uh, other records will be. I, you know, no one's come close to DiMaggio, fifty-six games either. That's pretty impressive. The hitting streak. So I mean, that impresses me. I mean, this is a lot of records. So I need context. You need context because the, the errors change sometimes, and the, the the way in which the game is played changes i mean we so suppose we were doing consecutive victories and somebody's won four games and played in seven inning games. Is that the same as winning like uh, uh, all these games consecutively and, and pitching nine inning games? I mean, I, I, you know, there, there is a difference. You know, I'm just saying that when you change the the game, the structure of the game, you obviously change the the meaning of the records. And baseball is sacrosanct to its records. Its records are what make baseball. I mean, there's no other sport that you can name, throw out a number 56, Madras hitting streak, right? Five eleven, Cy Young wins Cy Young in his career, right? Um, you know, 61, as you just mentioned, we don't know what that means. 61 homers, right? Even, and, and you know, and Barry, although Barry Bonds broke that record, I don't really know that people know what it means because of all the controversy around it. So, you know, so, you know, look, it, it, they, they, you just, you know what you grow up with. You grow up in an era and you know that uh, you, what you grow up with, you know what has meaning to you. And, you know, there are people who never saw, that's why it's fascinating to me, even in broadcasters, like there are people that we have who are a big part of our audience now who really don't have no recollection of David Cohen and Paul O'Neill as players. They don't. Wow. Yeah. We're getting I, old. Well, it just shows you that. I mean, I, I listened to Yankee games, watched them for years. Phil Rizzuto was, was the main principal broadcaster for the Yankees. 
And I never saw him play one inning. He won an MVP one year. He's in the Hall of Fame. I never saw him play one inning because when he quit his career, I was a year old. So I don't know recollection of that. So, but I do know that I grew up in my house with a lot of, listening to a lot of uh, Phil Rizzuto. So he had a profound influence on my, on my uh, baseball world and on my sports world growing up. And, and yet I never saw him play an inning. So, but again, it's all, the context is different player to broadcaster and, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, And it changes from era to era. So, you know, what's what works in one era and maybe has a lesser effect in others. I don't really know. It's hard to compare errors. I do know that the certain records just stand the test of time. And that might be games played. That might be hitting streaks, you know, be uh, 30 wins in a season. You think you ever see 30 wins in a season again? No. You, you almost never see 20 anymore. Right? Yeah. You won't see it again. No. I mean, so the, rule, the rules of how a roster is constructed would have to change to see yes. that again. Yes. Yes, there's way too many relievers. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to Cal Ripken real quick, and I have an unpopular opinion. Um, but you said toward the end he was hurt and not playing well. Yes. I think that true. record came at a cost for his team, and it might be viewed as potentially a little bit selfish. Yeah, I, I won't argue that. I think that that's true. I think when, at the end of his career, when he was just trying to, you know, catch cl- really close to catching Garrett uh, in terms of consecutive games played, that the streak became. The, and the Orioles weren't very good. And that became all consuming for the Oriole organization and for Repkin himself. I mean, he was, they, he was, they were obsessed with this record. And as long as they could put him out there, even when he was playing hurt, you know, hurt on the days that most players wouldn't go out there, he went out there and he went out there and he played compromise because they wanted to continue the streak. You play compromise, then, you know, balls that you should get. Is, and again, he didn't really move until the very end. He didn't go to third. Right, who played short almost the entire time. So you know, that's a really demanding position for for an infielder. Really demanding. Usually, your best infielder has to be there. You shows extreme extraordinary range. You really de- depend on your legs. And when you have injuries, it's just you're just not going to be the same player. But he went out there and he played it for the sake of the streak. You know, and, and, and maybe there were times that I'm sure the Orioles lost games or the players who should have been playing those positions were denied that opportunity because of the streak. So yeah, there was a, there was an element of that of, of probably for sure. Although it don't don't, I mean, don't we, it still should not mitigate the overall power of that streak because most of that streak was played in in when he was could really play and uh, and uh, you know and you got to tip your hat to him because that is such an unbelievable streak. Just think about that. Think about you know guys that don't play a week, guys that don't play five games in a row without a day day <laughs> off. They don't play. They're hurt. They're whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, there's every team has got several of them, and that's just the way it is. You know, it's a generational thing, I think, to some extent. But but Ripken went out there and he played, and he played every day, and he played hard, even when he was hurt. And when compromise, you could argue should he have been there or not, he still played hard and he cared. So you got to you got to give him credit for that. It's it's it stands for something, and it stands for something noble, I think, in in the aggregate. Parts of it maybe not as totally noble as we'd like, but at the end of the day, most of it stands for nobility. I think can't argue that to uh, answer Joe's question on my side, I'm going to say Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak. There's just something magical and iconic about the number 56. And I think that if that happened and Joe DiMaggio was, I don't mean to say anything bad about the Kansas city Royals, but if he was wearing a Kansas city Royals uniform, when he did it, it wouldn't be as iconic. There's something about the pinstripes that just elevates it. I'll tell you something that's really, that's really that no one ever talks about that streak is that with the night that he that they finally got him out in Cleveland, uh, Kenny Keltner was the third baseman, I think, and he made like three remarkable plays. I mean, 
Fleet Boyer, Greg Nettles, Brooks Robinson type plays at third base to Rob DiMaggio. Any one of those plays, anyone gets through and the streak stays alive. So they finally got him out and then he started a new streak in 12 games before they got him out. That's so crazy. if you start thinking about it, you know, 50, 56 should have been 57, should have been 59, should have been 69. Or could have been 69. So the fact that it's, it's, and that's still no money comes close. You know, you, there's been Pete Rose got in the 40s. I mean, guys have done come, got in the 40s, but no one's gotten the 50s. So the fact is that that streak seems relatively safe. It's quite a, it's quite a, it's quite a remarkable record. Great. Thank you, Joe, for the question. Next, Jeff from Waltham, Massachusetts. Hey, Flip and Kevin, as a Yankees fan living in Red Sox Nation, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your show. But my question is actually about the Olympics. Okay. More specifically, basketball in the Olympics. I figured that since you guys cover the Nets, you might have an opinion on this. What's your take on Kevin Durant playing for Team USA in the upcoming Summer Olympics? That's a great question, Flip. We should note that uh, James Harden recently pulled out of the Olympics because of injury concerns. And I think that's the spirit of Jeff's question here, given that the Nets lost KD for a year, and now here he is playing in the Olympics. What's your take? He's played in other Olympics. This is not wouldn't be his first Olympics, right? He's played. I think he has two gold medals. Yeah, twice. I, I think, think. Yeah, I think he does too. So, if in fact that that's right, and we think it is that he's played another Olympics and that he has some gold medals, what's what's the proof? Uh, you know, I, I I can't put myself in Kevin Durant's shoes. I don't want. I, it's unfair to answer that question for him. But if you're asking us to answer a question that's probably unfair of us to answer, I would say this: I don't think he should play. You know, I think you, for the good of uh, the Nets, who, who signed into a very long, very lucrative deal, um, and he was so great. He was so great this year. The play, he was incredibly, remarkably, wonderfully, uh, unbelievable. I keep going on with adjectives that don't make a whole lot of sense strung together, but he was just sensational in the playoffs. And it was I mean, playing every minute of some of those games because the Nets had so many injuries and he just had to, and he just, and he performed. So, but yet he's got to be tired and had to take a lot out of him. And now we're going to go play. And what have we proven when, 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 when the best players in the world, who are the players in the NBA, and there's no, there, there's no disputing that there is no dispute. The best players in the world are playing amateurs from other countries for the most part. And maybe one pro thrown in, but they're pretty much amateurs. And they're, they're asking you for your autograph before you start the game. What does that tell you? I want your autograph <laughs> and I'm going to foul. I'm going to come in. I'm going to play so hard. I'm going to knock you on your can if you come down the middle and I'm going to play really hard and foul. No, it means I'm not going to I have nothing but respect and, and admiration and whatever. I'm not going to probably come near you. Take as many three-point open shots as you want. I mean, no, they, they can't. They just look at the scores of those games. I mean, they, they, the Americans, I know they've lost once, but they don't lose. They really don't lose. I mean, they, they're so superior. What What is being proved? And if you beat them, you're supposed to beat them. And God knows if you don't beat them, then what happens? <laughs> don't right. do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a no-win. It's, it's a no-win, and what is there to prove? And by the way, if you're getting paid a lot of money and you're professional, you get paid that kind of money, I, I think personally you do everything you can to make sure that you're rested and you're ready when your club needs you. And I don't think playing an exhibition game, although it's a great exhibition, it means the Olympics, it means a lot, I get it. But at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't play. What's your take on the Olympics in general? Because it seems like every two years, the country gets all into frenzy because the Olympics are coming. Are, are you are you a big Olympics guy? No, I'm Good. not an Olympics guy at all. 
I'm yeah, I'm going to sound like a Debbie Downer, but they do absolutely nothing for me. No, I mean, they did when I was growing up and there was a real pronounced, you know, Cold War, you know, mentality that was gripping the world and certainly gripping the United States and, and the Soviet Union. And it became very much, you know, we were the good guys and they were the bad guys kind of thing. And, and I mean, look, I mean, look at the miracle on ice, you know, look, look at when the, the Russians beat us and we really did have collegiate players and they had pro players and they barely beat us uh, in the basketball, the disputed basketball game. And what was that? 76, I guess it was. Um, and uh, I mean, that's, that, that's still re- Those things still resonate. All the gold medals, the Americans have won subsequently, they resonate for a year or two and then people forget and they go on to the next one. It doesn't, they don't hold the weight. of. That's history. it. Yes, that's they it. Thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I first of all, I give the networks a ton of credit for marketing it and, and turning it into the biggest thing ever. Yes. But people obsess for two weeks over people they've never heard of playing sports they've never watched before. And then when it's over, poof, it all goes away. And whoever ran the 100 meter and won the gold, I already forgot his name. So for me, I'm not going to invest that time and energy. Yeah, I get it. I mean, to me, I think the emotional investment is that there is no, the good guys and bad guys aspect of this. I hate to put it like that because it's just, that's all marketing stuff, a lot of it. But but the reality is that, you know, I, I get, I understand the when, when you've got those kind of differences, I guess you market them because you're trying to sell it. And, and Rune Arledge, who was really the father of all this stuff, I mean, did a great job. I mean, he was he's responsible for so many things you see on television. A lot of them very good. Some of them a little less than good, but most of them ex- exceptionally good. I mean, he was the, the godfather of, of of basically, I would say, sports television coverage, the coverage that existed, particularly the Olympics. I mean, he took the Olympics from, yeah, the Olympics, is, uh, <laughs> it made it really into something. And he made it into by building the, making you care about the personalities, making personalities you had no idea who they were and giving you a reason to care. That's why he's heard those like up close and personal stories were in there. And, and that was so you could get some sense of, I don't know who this person is, but I really care about them. What a, I mean, they, they beat cancer at 14 and they, you know, they took care of their mother when they lost their father and they went out and worked the cornfields. And you know, I'm, I'm not making, I'm not making fun of this. I'm not making slide of it. Believe me, it sounds like I am, but I'm not. It, it is that sort of caring, which Rune Arlen invented and underscored and taught a whole generation of producers was is one of the reasons the Olympics became the Olympics and became the television show. That's what it is, the television show that it became. So, and there's a whole genius to yeah, to editing it and to you know and to and to and and the philosophy behind it and the uh, and Bugler's dream dun, 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 that that whole thematic stuff that you know the continuity of of that and through the years and what those what those what even those hearing those trumpets mean. You know, again, if there's an excitement that you, a palpable that you feel, I don't know that I feel it now, mostly because so many of these things are homogenized. The Soviet Union became, you know, the Ukraine and it's, you know, Belazar and this czar and that czar. And it's, you know, it's all these different <laughs> areas. Russia became broken up and became all these things, whatever. I'm just saying that, uh, pardon me in my lack of history on Russia here, but but you, you, you get the idea. And that's gone away. And so you don't have that same... That same intensity is gone. But by the way, the world now, although we still have a lot of problems in the world, no doubt, and it's and the world still has its issues, and no doubt about that either. But the world is trying to get away from hostility and divisiveness and all the things that have divided the world and this country, and you know, for the last while now. And everybody's trying to sort of put that behind them and move on. 
And, you know, do you really want marketing that says the Russians are bad people? I mean, uh, uh, the Russians are bad. Do you really want that? Is that what people want now? I don't know. It's a different world. It's a different world is my point. Exactly. Exactly. So listen, times change. The Olympic spirit is the Olympic spirit. It's a good spirit. I mean, the idea of the Olympics is a good idea. No doubt. And it's been very successful as a franchise, as a sports franchise. It's been unbelievably successful and made, made everybody a lot of money who was involved with it. You know, but now th- there's a reality to it, a different reality, a different you that it's taking on now. I, I, I believe it is anyway. And uh, we'll see how that, how that changes it. But everything undergoes a me- metamorphosis over time. Nothing stays the same. Everything is, is in some, some part of transformation. That's just the way life is, the way sports is, the way life is. All right, Flip, let's segue to another one of my favorite segments on Curtain Call. This week in Yankees history, (laughs) not Mississippi mud, no. Delaware mud. No, no, no. This week in Yankees history, which I think needs a jingle too. Dan Bassone, our producer, can you tell AJ that he needs another jingle for us, please? Come on, she's buying a stairway. (laughs) Flip, on this day, June 24th, 1970, in a doubleheader versus the Indians, Bobby Mercer hits four straight home runs, tying a club record. When you realize that Mercer averaged just, not just, but 21 home runs per season, four home runs and four straight at-bats is something. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's obviously it was easy to do. A lot of people would have done it. It's really hard to do. And, and that tip of the hat to Bobby, uh, late Bobby Mercer, a really, uh, really solid baseball player and a really, really, really good guy. Um, now, you hired Bobby. I hired him. Sorry to yeah, cut you yeah, off. So we started the network. Yeah, I did. Yeah. What, what made you think Bobby needed to be part of this team? Just because basically is is uh, what he meant to the fan base. Uh, you know, Bobby Mercer was a good broadcaster. You know, but you know, Bobby was a different style. You know, uh, local baseball. You know, is you know you're appealing to a fan base, and the fan base was was hugely enthusiastic and about Bobby. Bobby was very popular with the fan base and he'd been a broadcaster, been in place with them for a number of years. So, and we're trying to establish a new network and do things differently and new and and try different things, but also what you don't want and and what you do want is also a sense of history and tradition, which Bobby brought as a player and as a broadcaster, because he had been part of their history and part of their tradition. And, you know, so you wanted that, that continuity, you wanted some continuity from from you know voices and and and, and people and things that uh, the the our audience had known before yes you wanted some of that to continue and you wanted to change some of it as well so you want to add our new ideas with some of our older ideas and our older ideas also was about the history tradition of the team and what that all meant to a fan base so bobby fit it all perfectly and bobby was able to make the transition pretty smoothly to the to the new group as well because he was a very likable guy very easy to work with you want me to blow your mind sure mississippi bobby <laughs> Bobby Mercer was teammates with both Mickey Mantle and Don Mattingly. That makes sense. That, right? is that you're asking me or is it? Is no, it, that's true. That's okay. true. I would say that makes sense. I, I believe that. Sure. Yep. But that it's amazing sense. when you think about it. Like well, two different eras. Yeah. Mantle much more so than Mattingly. Right. Very little on Mattingly, I would think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Had to be. Yeah. I would imagine. Maybe I don't have it in front of me. Maybe two, no more. But yeah. a number of years with Mickey. But yeah, I, I see that. I can see that. Yeah, but it, that is a great, that's a great point. It, it illustrates uh, uh, his career. And he'll, 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 how long will Bobby play? 11, 12 years? 
I can look it up. Hold on. Oh, Say something months funny months while I look it up. I'm going to go with played by 15. Let's go with 15. From 65 to 83. He's played 17 years. Okay. That's he, not bad. He, close. Yeah, he was in the military for two years, so he didn't play oh, those. Right. Got it. Uh, so he really started in 69. I know he finished. I know when he hated when they traded him. He loved being a Yankee, and it broke his heart when he was traded. And he went to the, the Giants for, for Bobby Bonds, who's Barry Bonds. His father was Bobby Bonds. Uh, home run hitter in his own right as well, but not quite as prodigious as his son, but but a good baseball player, solid baseball player. And I know they made the Yankees made that deal. And it was, and you know, Bobby went to the Giants and he didn't like he went to the Giants or the Cubs. He went to the Giants. He went to the Giants, Giants and later he went to the Cubs. So when he's with the Giants, I know he just, I mean, he made a remark one day about he was looking up at all the, the empty seats at Candlestick Park. And he said to a reporter, he realized Patty Hearst, who was, you know, an, an heir of some significance who had been kidnapped and, uh, you know, had some a political, um, a couple of political incidences happened uh, that she was involved with. Uh, so you realize Patty, she was a fugitive at the point from justice. And he says, you realize Patty Hearst could be hiding behind any of those seats. And that got quoted and it got taken around. And it was like, <laughs> it was a riot in San Francisco over it. So they, they sort of had to sort of get him out of town. But, uh, and that was as close to anything controversial, controversial as Bobby could, has ever said. Or Bobby was not anybody, was not a person of controversy. He was a very easy going guy. He, would, he just loved being a Yankee. And it broke his heart. We'd always talk about that on the air, how much he loved being a Yankee. You know, and when you do local, when you do local, like, well, I don't, I always say yes has never been local because we were, we're local in name only. We were set up to really be a national entity and we act like a national entity and we perform like a national entity. And, but having said that very much so you still have to, you still have a fan base that's local. You have to appeal to that fan base. And there are a lot of ways to go about that. One of the ways is to just take some of the local heroes who mean something to them, make sure that they're competent. You can't put everybody on air but you make sure somebody's competent to go on air, but then you let them be who they are. You don't try to change them. But people say, you know, your shows are a little guilt, uh, slanted to the Yankees. Duh, guilty. You think? Yes, they are. <laughs> you think? It's the Yankee Television, Yankee Entertainment and Sports Network. What do you think it is? Of course it is. But every everybody who has a regional network slants their coverage somewhat toward local. The whole idea is not to slant it to the point where it's obnoxious and you're being so one-sided that there's no reality to what you're doing. That's what you don't want. You want to be you want to be objective. You want to be able to tell a story honestly, openly, and you don't want to dwell on it, especially negative ones. But you have to report them and you have to talk about them. As long as you do that, I think you've done your job. And if you slant it a little bit toward the home team, so what? Most every broadcast I've ever heard that was a local baseball one was slanted somewhat to the home team, somewhat, some really not somewhat at all, some totally off the cliff over. But we're not anywhere near that. But we are. We do occasionally slant it on our side. Okay, that's what. See, I just did it here. I said our side. If I should have said on the side of no one's side, on a neutral side. But we're not all that neutral, and it's okay. I, I don't mind it. I don't mind that we're not all that neutral. I just don't want to be, you know. I just don't want to get to a point where there's no reality to what we're doing. Then you have a problem, you know. But your home, your home team wants you to be. Your fan base wants you to be a little bit on their side. I think it's important to be a little bit on their side. Okay, I do. The last time we spoke, the Yankees were eight and a half back, and now they're four and a half back. So, using that logic, next time we talk, they'll only be a half game back. Well, if we don't extend it by another week, they'll be in first place. Let's do it. Let's skip an episode, and when we come back, they'll be. You in know, first why place. do we just wait till the World Series in October? 
<laughs> then we'd have a lot of a lot of explaining, a lot of catching up to do. Uh, uh, Great review, subscribe thing is going to be not hold uh, as much water, but uh, no. uh, anyway, yeah. Listen, that, that that's important. Look, they we talked about those twenty five games, and the Yankees are in, as we record this are in the middle of that twenty five game thing. They have to play well in these games. These are big games for them, and there's 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 games that series to be won. And there's series that if you draw even in them, that's pretty good. Um, you know, we've got, we've, after this series, we've got the Red Sox now, you know, for three games. And if we can win two out of three up there, that really will right the ship. It'll do a long way. And also the Yankees, it, every good team has a run in them. Sometimes, well, I've talked about this for years. Every good team has runs in them. Okay. Well, run by, I mean, a run, I mean, winning, you know, 10 of 12 or 12 of 15 or 15 to 20. That's a run. Okay. Um, you know, the Yankees have not had a serious run. They've had like one stretch of the season where they've played okay. And then the rest has been, you know, back and forth. They win, they lose, they win, they lose, they win, they lose. They've got to go on a run. They got to go, if they go on a run, I mean, the Red Sox are having their issues now, you know, and, and Tampa Bay has proved that it's, it's with glass now out. I mean, they're still really, they're, they're a force. They're still a really good team, but you know, they, they that's, you lose your ace. That's tough. That's tough. No matter what team you have, no matter how much pitching you have, it's still tough. And it may be, it's, it's a blow. So the Yankees have a chance to capitalize on that blow. And don't feel sorry for the Rays because the Yankees have their, their fair share of injuries. It's part of the game. It's a matter of who gets injured and where you get help. Every team that wins gets help from unexpected places. Another thing we preach, unexpected players, places. Where are you going to get help? Where the Yankees go at the deadline? Where are they going to go to get some help? Center field pitching, where do they go? Left-handed bat. Left-handed bat. Where they go? Can can I up where? There's places they can go. Do they make trades? They make a trade. They make two trades. Yeah, yeah you hit oh, the trade market. Get? Who are you gonna get? Oh, we, we ran it down last episode. I, I think well, I ended to, up with. Uh, supposed to with people who very nice people who you know they, they're taking the summer now. They took a week off because they missed our last podcast. They said, "Oh, I, I see the car one. I didn't let's catch the last one." But you're telling them it's too bad now because they didn't catch that episode, so therefore they don't know what we talked about. Well, it's well, in our archive. I urge them. I urge them to go back into the archives and listen. <laughs> there were I like think I two players ended up stressed with uh, Charlie Blackman. I think is who I said. Yeah, that's who you want. I, I went for yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You so there's that. people out there. Is the answer? Yes, and you know, and you know, and, and Shears will be staring us in the face too. I don't think he's going anywhere. Oh, I think he could go someplace. This is his last year on a contract, and they're not probably not going to resign him at those dollars. So, and the Nationals are not—they're not in the middle of it right now. I mean, they—they they could be, but I don't know if they will be. If they deem themselves in another two weeks sellers, in a few weeks they deem themselves as sellers, they'll—they'll they'll certainly make that move. If they make that move, they could get a horde of prospects for him. They okay. get some prospects for him. They get—they get a lot. They get relief on the salary of—it's of, of, only half a season, but it's still relief. And they'll get some some big time prospects for him. Now the question is, can the Yankees match those prospects? Do they want to? This is a dangerous part of the season. You know, I, this is a very good point that you raised. I'd like to finish this point for a second, Kevin, because this is a very interesting point to the Yankee season. To me, it is. Do you go when a few years ago we had a chance to get Verlander, and we didn't, and Houston went on a run because of Verlander. Now, there's all kinds of speculation that the spider tag there and all kinds of stuff. Okay. 
forgot it. Let's let's. It, it was what it was. It is what it is. And the rules, whatever they were, enforced and not enforced, were what they were. Let's let's just leave that where it is for a minute. History's different if the Yankees get Verlander. It's different for the right. Yankees. Now that was a big ask because the Yankees will, didn't want to give up as a, they would have had to give up Andohar at the time. Andohar is still Andohar. Not at that time. He's still Andohar, but he's a heck of a, a heck of a hitter. And he said to me, but the Yankees kept Andohar and they have not won a championship. The um, Houston did win a championship and you could put it squarely on Verlander. Yep. Then You're right. It was the difference. So do you go, do, now that you have shears are staring you in the face, do you say, whatever it takes, I'm going to get them? Or do you say, I don't want to give up Debbie Garcia? Debbie Garcia could be a real, look at James Caprillion. Uh, the Yankees gave him a couple of years ago, and I would have made the same trade Brian Cashman. Right? I would have traded Caprillion. You know, they got Sonny Gray, and you people laugh about that. Sonny Gray was a hell of a pitcher. He just didn't, didn't pitch all that well in New York. Who knew? Right, and the Yankees have certainly recouped that, got good value for him when they traded him back. We traded him to Cincinnati; they got some value. Okay, those things happen, but the reality is that you never know what young pitching what it can do. Do you? Do you, are you trading? If you trade Garcia, is Garcia the next great pitcher in the game, or is he a guy who's just is being okay pitcher, or is, or, or, have we, or is it a guy? How is he going to? When is he going to be in the big leagues, and when is he going to be effective in the big leagues? You know, I don't know. Those are all questions that you have to wait. So it's not simple. These are not simple. And, and you have to live with the specter of history with some of these guys to see what they become or don't become. And sometimes it takes years to figure that out. I don't know. It's a very interesting question, though, I would say. But Cashman gets paid the big bucks. Yep, for sure. Flip, I'm afraid I have a five o'clock meeting, which means we have to land this thing. It's an important meeting. It unfortunately is very important. I can't be late. Is it with Littner? No, it is not. Well, then it's not that important. It's with our app developer. Um, do you pay the app developer? Yes, I do. Oh, I Here's don't, but we again. do. Here's Littner. Jared. That's with Jared. <laughs> it's Jared Bosch not calling. And, and, and he's with Ted Marino. I like them all. <laughs> the blessed Trinity. I love It's time to land a plane. In the words of the great Ashton Fugazi, as we listen to the theme from Sherlock, don't sue us, ask Captain BMI. It's time to say we'll see you soon. And th- look at that, just segued back in. Uh, <laughs> I like that, great. Uh, <laughs> time to land a plane, and we'll see you soon. And thanks for being with us. Great review, subscribe. See you soon. Yeah.